You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. back to earth station trek a show where we trek from the early days on nbc to the future on paramount plus and everywhere in between i'm charles kelso and it's my privilege to introduce the earth station trek crew keith johnson is keith really my first name alan seiler yes yes it is <laughs> and veronica dashel hi <laughs> Well, honestly, I don't know. I mean, that could be your middle name. I go by my middle name, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I guess we will talk about that news topic that we discussed. <laughs> I didn't mean, to, I didn't mean to do that, but it just kind of came up. <laughs> kind of like Veronica's send-offs. Yes. <laughs> they, just, they just happen. Whatever happens, happens. Right. Yep. Anyway, do we have news this week? Um, well, let's see. There was a convention this past yeah. weekend, um, Star Trek Mission Chicago, and there wasn't a whole lot of news that came out of that. There was a teaser trailer for Lower Decks uh, mm-hmm. coming season and uh, some cast panels. Um, and the great thing was that uh, most of the main cast of Lower Decks all showed up in uniform. Yes. And and Jack Quaid shows up with Boimler hair and everything. Yes. And that was amazing. It was awesome. So the big story that came out of that was this really dumb snafu <laughs> from Paramount uh, with the big <laughs> posters that reveals for the first time the great unveiling, pulling back the curtain on the first names of Spock and Mabenga. Yeah. And then they pulled it back and then they, <laughs> they said, closed the curtain. <laughs> then, you know, they're like, you know what? That's, that's not really a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. And what they said was that they do have first names and they'll be revealed on the show. And you know, when they reveal it on the show, that's what they're going to be. They've got to be. And they, <laughs> right. they know that since they put that thing up and people came in the building, that the photographs are everywhere on the yeah. internet. Well, and our our friends from Starpod Trek were there at Mission Chicago, and they said that those those posters were taken down. That's what I heard too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same thing it's that crazy. Paramount does. It's like they don't understand how the internet works. <laughs> I mean, like, well, pull it from the internet. You know, it's right. like I likened it. We, Brock and I were watching um, that series, Pam and Tommy, for a very different topic. Um, but and it's about essentially the first viral video yep. of the Pam and Tommy video uh-huh. that went around yeah. in the 90s and it's it's fascinating to watch because it takes place in like 1995 or 1996 where no one really has an understanding of how that that stuff works because right it, like you're like four episodes in and they're still like well we'll just get the video back we'll get the video back but by then there's like people who've made copies have made copies have made copies like people are selling them out of the back of their cars yeah like, i'm there, thinking as soon as he says that i'm like that's not how it that's works, not dude. how that works but yeah. that's how paramount <laughs> acts today yeah exactly that's so they, true. they did the same thing when that teaser trailer was released by them, you know, and then the fans mm. went with it photos and then they're running around the internet, shutting it down. Well, te- well, like there's some guy in a boardroom with a cigar going, get it off the internet. You know, like that's not <laughs> how the internet works. Once it's out there, it's out there, man. Exactly. <laughs> and the more you try to pull it back, the more it's going to travel. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Cause people are going to make sure that it's absolutely that is covered, that it's been circulated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And this just goes along with them um, pulling off of certain services and not releasing 
the shows at the, you know, on the foreign. I mean, it's just insane. It's like nothing but PR nightmares left and right. Yeah. What are they doing? I, I, I don't know. It's just mind boggling. It was a little surprising that got out. It was like we were just talking about before we recorded. Uh, Alan and I were both saying, I, I don't really care about Spock's first name. So as in I, it would have been OK if this hadn't leaked like this. But as you're saying, once the news kind of came out, of course, I'm reading it. I'm all over the map. And then Charles, you mentioned, why am I blanking on her name? The novel is Ishmael. This yeah, Fox name comes from. Um, it's a, she's a science fiction writer. She wrote a really awesome science fiction uh, fantasy series called The Time of the Dark. Barbara okay. Hambly. Barbara Hambly. That's okay. it. That's it. That's yeah. It. And so that actually, uh, when I first saw, when I first saw that, it was posted in some Facebook groups. Barbara Hambly, who was one yeah. of my introductions to fantasy, got me intrigued, and I read the fact that she had done it in the Ishmael book. Yeah. So, but then after that, like you said, it kind of went off the rails, and I went back to oh, whatever. I don't know. Just call him Spock. And, yeah, uh, I like you know, <laughs> that's and it's with me. And it's funny that this comes after that little trailer. You know, they had they did mm-hmm. the little trailers for each character, and the 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 Spock trailer. He says specifically, "I am only Spock." Right? Yes, and then they're like, <laughs> "You are only Spock," except for that first name that you've got, right? And I just think it's so crazy. Yeah, in in science fiction and fantasy, and even gosh, even if you go back to look at movies that take place in so, so-called fictional worlds, like was it Hyperia, whatever with Conan, usually you're right, Alan, the person just has a name and the most they'll say is like Spock, son of mm-hmm. someone. And that's yeah. all you get. So I'm kind of fine with like, like there's Chak Chakotay, Tuvok, Spock, Worf. Well, I, know. I mean, does, does Worf have a first name now? I, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Irving. Irving. <laughs> Please no. Yeah. Irving Wharf. I love that. I mean, I don't I don't mind them revealing Spock's name. No. We, we know he has one. Exactly. And, and I mean they're 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 in the position where they need to bring new information and new development to a character who's probably the most developed character in Star Trek through exactly. books, comics, novels, yeah. uh the TV shows. You know what I mean? Like we know more about Spock's life than most characters. Yeah. And they've got to find something new. So, yeah, his his first name is great. They pulled it straight from an old Star Trek novel. Great. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this the 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 Paramount thing. (laughs) Again, guys, come on. But like you were saying, like you were saying earlier, it's just like there's no checks and balances. Like somebody in the PR department put up designs for these posters. These designs had to get seen by somebody before they went to the printer. Yeah. I mean, like, no, I mean, no and then one somebody works in a vacuum. They're, right. They're, everyone's got, I mean, stuff's getting checked off. I mean, the, the same guy doesn't like make the poster, print it out and carry it to the convention. You know, I, they may <laughs> not, you know, not, not anymore. <laughs> but the thing is, somebody else somewhere had to tell the PR department, this is Spock's first yeah. name. Yeah. Let me ask a question about that that name. Real life. Um, well, we're getting a lot more traction out of this than we thought, right? Um, <laughs> I, I knew I would. <laughs> yes. In the... Uh, in the original series episode, which is one of my favorites, um, this side of paradise, right, with the spores, mm-hmm. Spock told, um, what was her name? Layla uh, thank you, Layla Colon. I was going to say Gerald Ireland. He <laughs> told her that he, she couldn't pronounce his name. Right. So I always right. wonder how do you introduce a name if no, if she couldn't pronounce it? And then in um, Journey to Babel, Amanda mm-hmm. says that she, after years of practice, could kind of pronounce his name yeah. um, after a fashion. Yeah. Or, or her name, I guess the family name. So I always right. thought, found that very interesting. Yeah. So they either have to come up with a pronunciation for it now, or we will only ever see it in text form on screen. 
Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like on his service record or something like that. There's a thought, Alan, what you said made me think of something in Babylon 5. The planet from which the quote unquote evil race, the shadows came from, was called Zahadum. But in the series, they said it had something like a hundred syllables or something weird like that. So Zahadum was basically the closest we could do to pronounce. So that'd be kind of cool if they just showed the name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or they could Mm -hmm. do kind of like that opera singer in Fifth Element and sort of digitally add syllables, (laughs) add sounds to it that that's true. Tongue can't pronounce. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah, it is a very good point. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, so I guess that wraps up the news. <laughs> just another awesome. just another gripe session about Paramount Plus. Uh, awesome. <laughs> All right, Keith, do we have any this week in Trek this week? Yeah, I guess kind of a, uh, four, four birthdays that I thought were relatively significant. The first one, and I don't really know a good way to introduce it other than say it, on the 12th of April, and again, I love this, 1909. Whew. Six years after the Wright Brothers flew an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which I think is ironic, given that the person was Irving A. Feinberg. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. He shares a first name with Worf. <laughs> I know. There you go, right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And for those... <laughs> Worf's namesake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Feinberg was the property master throughout the original series, and he just secured all kinds of stuff. This was the time, this late 60s, you didn't have, a Star Trek had like no budget. They had a really tiny budget. They sure as heck didn't have budget to do a lot of the props. And so some of the things that he did that were notable was the, he went and scrounged up and found the, the 3D chessboard. And he also did a, this is a weird thing. There's an episode of the original series where um, I think it's actually Charlie X, where you see a dude coming out of a Jeffrey's tube. He's got this long vertical rod thing. Well, Firm Feinberg designed that or created that. He also created a, a laser scalpel that was used in a surgery scene. Wow. The guy did everything. And literally, as you might imagine, he, when they were asked for a prop, they would like say, hey, Feinberg, go find something that looks interesting. So if you ever notice those weird, we always talk about it even now, those things that people will call like space pepper shakers mm-hmm. or weird forks mm-hmm. or the, one of my favorite things from the original series was the so-called white sound device, mm-hmm. which masked out people. That's your fa- <laughs> one of your favorite things from the original yes. series. <laughs> it, was that awesome. microphone? it was exactly, it was a, it was a microphone. so key. <laughs> I know it was awesome. And I found this real quote. I want to read real quick. Robert Justman said about Feinberg, when you think of Star Trek props, you have to think of Irving Feinberg. Someone would yell for a show. Props, we need that new Feinberg for the next scene. And Irving, usually dressed in trademark baggy shirts, shorts that displayed his knobby knees, would just come in with something. He he had so many gadgets that we just called everything Feinbergs. And that was just the name for all the props. Yeah. And one of the props that they, they called, um, they associate with him, sometimes they would just come up with the name Feinberg Oscillating Framazam. And for those of a certain age, Framazam used to be used to just mean some weird thing. Ironically, in episodes such as the Doomsday Machine, you might remember Scotty had a device that looked like it was looked like a tricorder with three 
three little points yeah. on top of it. That people thought that was the Feinberg oscillating framazam. That is not. That is actually called. Um, um, a, that's actually called a type of a tri a trident tricorder, yeah. a trident scanner. But most people thought that was it. And I just thought that was kind of cool because of Feinberg. He just did so much stuff, and we were, we were just talking about budgets and stuff. It's amazing to do stuff like that when you have pretty much no budget. Oh yeah, absolutely. Great guy. Uh, another birthday I thought was pretty interesting was on um, 13th of April, 1959, Tracy Torme. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Writer, writer for Next Generation, primarily on the first and second season of the Next Generation. One of the things that he's most notable for is the creation of Loxana Troy. Mm. She was introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, which is a good thing. Y- yes. Yeah. Yes, like, of course. I, that's like a good thing. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I, I, I'm having new respect for her over the years, also because Major Barrett was a great actress. Mm-hmm. Um, he introduced, well, she was introduced, I believe, in the episode Haven, which is an episode That's correct. I, I really can't stand, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote an episode that was considered one of the best of the first two seasons. I'm sure y'all remember the big goodbye. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that is yeah. a good one. Yeah, the episode where Picard goes into the hollow novel to play Dixon Hill. And he introduced what I think is probably the best of the first season was a conspiracy. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the famous a episode. Fabulous the, episode. Yeah. What I didn't realize is when Torme's original script called for the conspiracy to be an actual conspiracy in Starfleet, not aliens in your neck kind of thing. Mm. And of course, Roddenberry is like, hell no. So that got <laughs> shot down and became creatures in your neck. <laughs> I, I like smart. those creatures in their necks. I was so the creatures in the neck never came back. I'm not. Creatures in the neck creep me out. Well, <laughs> like that's that good. Buffy episode is like the second episode of the series, yeah. and they hatch yeah. from those eggs and they crawl up and get into your skin. No, I had nightmares about. I will wake up in the middle of the night thinking one had crawled on me. Veronica, I should introduce you to a really old horror classic called nope. The Tingler. Nope. Nope. Tingler's awesome. It is. Tracy Torme went on to create the show Sliders, which I loved and starred Jerry. Thank you. Yeah. Also, he was Mel Torme's son. Yep. Oh, Mel Mel Torme. I wonder how many people got introduced to Mel Torme again in Night Court. (laughs) Maybe. And the the big goodbye uh, was nominated Mm -hmm. for a Nebula or a Saturn Award or something. I don't remember, but it was the first time that uh, that Next Gen was up for one Mm -hmm. of the industry awards. Wow. Alan, um, that's a good point that you say that because Tracy Torme went on record as saying that he felt the first two seasons of Star Trek were tepid and weak. And not okay. very good. Of next gen? Yeah, next yeah. gen. Yeah, next gen. Sorry. And it's one of the reasons that he ultimately kind of left the show because he was battling to make next gen something new. And in yeah. a lot of ways, he felt Roddenberry was still holding on to kind of the old formula. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Should have waited a year. And, right. <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay, real quickly. And this is this is impossible to miss in a trivia contest. 14th of April, 1936. And it's just easy to say. Um, I wanted Stan. Stan wanted me. Easy to guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And that was the late nope. Arlie. Mm-hmm. What? Arlie nope. Martell. Okay. Yeah. Sure. You've yeah. met her. Yes. We we have met her briefly. Awesome. And it's, no, it was not. I'll tell the story in a minute, but you go ahead and say what you want uh, to absolutely. say. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One quick thing. Born Arlene Greta Sachs in 1936. 
What I found very interesting, I always find things like this interesting. She was really close to getting the role of Dr. Daner in Where No Man Has Gone Before, but she had very sensitive eyes and the context that, that, the, that the actress had to wear when she gained the same powers as Gary Mitchell, she decided that wasn't going to work for her. She also was one of the finalists to play Veronica Sylvia in Cat's Paw. Wow. But Justman and others said, eh, we think she's going to be better for this other one that we want, which was, of course, to bring in a mock time. That's and the much better I, role. Yeah, I know. Right. Isn't that amazing how things yeah. work out? And you had a story about her, Charles? Yeah. So a year, uh, this is probably like nine years ago. We were doing our first mm. convention, uh, doing mm. pup, a pu- our first puppet show at a convention. It was at Trek Lanta. I think it's called Trek Track Atlanta back then. Yeah. But um. After the, we got a great reaction, big crowd. Um, and afterward, this guy wanted to interview us on the radio for this radio station from Canton. So we went over and we were being interviewed live on the radio, which okay. was ex- really exciting. And while we're awesome. being interviewed, Arlene Martell and her handler come up to us, I guess not clocking the fact that we're talking into microphones and we're, we're like actually live on the radio right now and start asking us how to get someplace, like whatever room. And like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I'm on the radio. Oh. I can't talk to you right now, but I, I couldn't say that. <laughs> and so they, they, they kind of like in a huff just walked away from us like we were being really Aww. rude. And I was like, I was just I, Arlene wow. Martell thinks I'm being really rude to her. And I really oh, no. just like, hold on, radio. Arlene Martell needs to know how to get somewhere. I'm going to go help her. But I did not. <laughs> Yay. I know. You're the hero. I did not because I did not do that. Oh, you didn't do that. No. Oh, <laughs> you're not the hero. Arlene Martell left in a huff and I never saw her again. And that was my oh, wife, wow. Arlene Martell. Well, what that's because you, you never you saw never her again. You never saw puppet either. <laughs> you never saw her again because she got lost because she didn't know where to go. <laughs> we had a Tapring puppet. We could have shown her the Tapring puppet. Oh, okay, Alan now, Alan, now I'm thinking of Arlene Martell just wandering through a hotel. Exactly. <laughs> She's still wandering. <laughs> Will someone help me? Blaming those two people. Okay, the last one is, is, a, is a double. On the 15th of April, nay, 15th of April, Again, super easy. The first is 1922. The second is 1940. And there's no way not to guess these. The first is, um, oh, let's see what I want to do. I shall torture you one by one to death until your noble captain cries enough. No one got it? I know that line. Awesome. Okay, I'll do another one. Only a fool fights at a burning house. I need no urging to hate humans. That's Kang. There you go. Yeah. Kang, Michael and Sarah, born yeah. on 1922. And the other one is also super easy. Uh, I'm going to be real corny here. No, please. I want to stay, stay, stay. <laughs> That's Charlie stay. X. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I should have put my hands up like oh, Kang. <laughs> Robert Walker, who actually went Junior. by both Robert and Junior, but he also billed himself as Robert Walker, oh, okay. which is confusing because his father was the famous actor, Robert Walker, who was the psycho in Strangers on the Train. Mm. And yes. if y'all ever, if you ever look at pictures, he looks so much like his dad. He's yeah. got the same crazy eyes. It is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, he's got great eyes. I yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to post this, but for the first time in my entire life, I finally recently sat down and watched the entire Easy Rider. And who showed up in like 10 seconds where he's shirtless and doing really weird kabuki theater dancing was Robert <laughs> Walker playing like a drugged out hippie something it was wild to see him mark walker jr right i was gonna say is that senior or junior (laughs) that makes a difference in the image i have in my head (laughs) 
And that's this week in Trek history. All right. Well, thank you for that. Well, let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then we'll be back with our discussion topic. So stay right there. It was the dawn of another podcast. The Epsilon 3 is a dream given form. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. Three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2021. The name of the station is Babylon 5. The name of the podcast is the Epsilon 3. Veer, bring me a drink. So this week, uh, we are looking for a discussion topic, and um, knowing that this week's episode of Picard was called Monster, but without knowing anything about what this in, what it meant, what this was going to be about, um, other than I, I was pretty sure it was going to be something that's like deeply embedded in his psyche, mm-hmm. um, I started wondering, I was like, hey, we should do a topic about monsters in Star Trek. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized you know, Star Trek just doesn't do that much in the way of actual monsters. Good point. Um, because most everything that even seems monstrous ends up being, you know, something that is sentient in some way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because like in the in the original series, the first thing that you might think of as something that appears monstrous is the Gorn. But they're a spacefaring sentient race. So mm-hmm. are they monsters? So I'm trying to think of like um, different definitions of what monster could be. So is it something that's non-human, non-humanoid? Um, is it something that's acts instinctually, but is not necessarily sentient? Uh, another definition, which, you know, kind of gets used in modern parlance um, when someone is so different from us, like morally or intellectually, and you say, you monster, like, and the, the, the prime example that I thought of was Yosef Mengele from the Holocaust, who, you know, tortured and experimented on other human beings. Is he a monster? He fits my definition of a monster. So I'd say yes. Yes, exactly. So uh, what are some of the things that, that you guys are thinking of as far as actual monsters in Star Trek? Um, my first thought was salt vampires. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the first one that we actually encounter in the lineage of Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, and so for for, for me, I guess a monster is um, a creature of some kind that purposefully harms others for only their own benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good definition. I like that. Yeah, and that sort of set a good i mean i sort of started the template for star trek monsters as well because mm-hmm. i mean like you said the it, it was for its own benefit sure but it was trying to survive yeah it was the last of its species and even they lament its passing when it passes in the end you yeah. know that it's not a yay we killed the monster let's laugh <laughs> and go you know what i mean like right they're essentially have killed the last buffalo you know that this species is now extinct until lower decks. And then, <laughs> I was about to say, you know, that, but, <laughs> they actually deal with, you know, the ramifications of that a bit, you know, yeah. and that how everyone feels. No one's happy at the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
I, I like how you introduced that, Alan, because I think it's so funny. You're right. I was when I was looking at this, I thought this is literally at the same time the easiest and hardest thing to do because Star Trek doesn't <laughs> exactly. Doesn't, and I think it's ironic that the Salt Vampire episode was one that was later looked not looked down on. It's considered to be one of the least successful of the Star Treks only because it was a kind of a monster. And Gene Roddenberry didn't like the music associated with it. Gene Roddenberry felt it was such a monster, what we would now call Monster of the Week episode, that it wasn't his favorite. But uh, I looked up uh, Miriam Webster. No bug-eyed monsters. Bims, that's it. Bug-eyed monsters. And the Miriam Webster dictionary had four things that said a monster, a strange or imaginary creature, Mm -hmm. something that is extremely large, which could describe anything from the doomsday machine to in our mythology, Frankenstein's monster, a person who cannot be controlled and causes problems or havoc in one's life or a cruel and evil person. And I got to tell you, I started, as you were saying, Alan, I started thinking more of four than anything else, a cruel or evil person. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right. for me, this is incredibly obvious, but Goldicott yep. in DS9 is a monster. He was, and I, I think it's great, you meant, is it Mingala? Joseph Mingala? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Goldicott, as the Cardassians were modeled after the Nazis. And um, even though Goldicott, became, he was charming and he was mm-hmm. likable. And as a matter of fact, y'all, who, all y'all as DS9 fans may know that there was a period of time where the writers of DS9 were concerned because they had made Goldicott too likable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had they made a conscious effort to, to turn him back to what he was. Because at the end of the day, this is a guy who presided over the subjugation of millions, mm-hmm. the, 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 the murder of thousands. What he did with women is beyond disgusting. He mm-hmm. didn't give women a choice to sleep with him. As we saw, even back with Kira's mother, we found out that Kira's mother was one of his paramours. Um, he had Ziel by another Cardassian, uh, by another Bajoran um, woman. Yeah, he was a monster. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a great episode of DS9, you may remember, where he and Kira, when they first go to find Ziel, mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of getting along and they're laughing. You remember yeah. that? And yeah. later on, there's a great episode when uh, the, the uh, Dominion is ruling Deep Space Nine, where Kira is awakened by the fact that she felt like she was coming collaborator. Oh yeah, and that's that's that, one of my favorite moments absolutely. in the entire history of DS9. Yeah, but going absolutely. back to the going back to that first Zial episode, yes, they mm-hmm. are they are having this cooperative moment, and they're you yes. know they're sort of like on the same page until yeah. they get to that wherever it is that Zial is being held, and mm-hmm. he says, "Okay, well now I'm just going to go murder her," and exactly. <laughs> because that's what we do with hybrid bastard children. And heroes like there is absolutely no way I'm going to let you harm this girl. Yeah. Yes. So he, even if he has those moments of, you know, seemingly being good natured, his, his true nature always comes out. Absolutely. Probably one of the best. God, I love that episode. Yeah. He is one of the best so-called bad guys. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Easily. So that was my, that was my first thought, as typical as he was. Yeah, and there was that period in the middle of the show when he was mm-hmm. commanding the bird of prey, when yes. he really could have gone either way. He could have been a more heroic character because he was he wasn't Absolutely. acting as an antagonist most of the time. Right, right. right. But they steered him, of course, back. <laughs> of course, because yeah. yeah. you, you need a villain. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you were yeah. impressed with him because he fought his way back. You're right. He took a little Klingon vessel and was doing well. The man knew how to use a batlet. He could fight. <laughs> I mean, he was almost noble, almost but he's he's my first thought of monster. Well, and and to make a little point, everyone is noble in their own story. 
Mm-hmm. Good point. That's so no matter what we think of him, when he his perspective of I'm a Cardassian, I am fighting for for Cardassian yep. liberation for whatever whatever he's doing at mm-hmm. that time. Even when it comes down to subjugating the Bajorans, he's the noble one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So are we monsters to him? I probably. Yeah, I would say yes because you know when he when he when they changed him back and he went on that rant and why I'm sorry I'm forgetting the name of the episode but that awesome episode of DS9 where he and Cisco crashed and Cisco was injured and the god's um, mind is not duet it's waltz. um waltz thank you waltz yeah and and there Alan he that's when he broke and Cisco was basically cross examining him as if they were in court. And mm-hmm. that's when he forced him to start saying that he hated the Bajorans. They were basically, because he always said he was doing what yep. was right for them. And then yep. he was basically, then it was like they were children to him. And then he was basically, he said everything. He hated their noses. He hated their stupid religion. He basically became full Nazi in that episode. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think he does think that they're monsters to him, mm-hmm. inferior beings. Yeah. Excellent example. Oh, yeah. The, the first one that sprang to my mind is, I mean, to me, the quintessential Star Trek monster is the Horda. I mean, that's, that's like the Star Trek monster story. And exactly it, how all the all good Star Trek monster stories go that same way, where it starts yeah, off a monster. It's incomprehensible. And then along the way, you learn to understand it and learn mm-hmm. that it has right. reasons for what it's doing. And in the case of the Horda, it was, you know, her children were being slaughtered and she was trying to protect her children. Absolutely. You know, and they came to an understanding and ended up working together at the end. And you know, they, they did that on the original series, even on Discovery with Ripper, the space tardigrade. <laughs> which mm-hmm. was very monstrous when it was introduced. And then you, yeah. you find out that, you know, it's, there's more to it than that, you know? Yep. For exactly. Me, that, that's a great Star Trek monster story as, as far as like physical monsters. Absolutely. You know? I totally agree because it completely subverts your expectations, both of what the episode is going to do and of what you think of a monster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And I love and it. I that's think- some, that's some good writing. That's a good one too. And you know what I always found interesting to to, to piggyback on what you said, Charles, about um they thought it was a monster and she was a mother protecting her children. Every time I watch that episode, I can never get over the fact that at the end, they're basically saying they struck this mutual agreement that benefits both sides. And every time I see the episode, I'm like, actually the humans aren't benefiting the horda at all. The horda's <laughs> benefiting the humans by tunneling. Basically, right, right. humans are just in their way. And on top of that, the horda can't exist long in an oxygen atmosphere. So they're filling all these tunnels with oxygen. I always think, you know, the only one who really got a deal out of that is the humans. But the he, horda, he like, like, just stay out of our way. Let's make a deal. We'll stop murdering your children. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and it That's works the out benefit. for both of us. That's the benefit. Right. We're not going to kill you anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great example. Yeah. Did you have one, Alan? Well, um, we mentioned one in our earlier segment, and that's from Conspiracy, the slugs mm. in the neck. Yeah. You know, I mean, the insidious. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's one of my favorite things. And I wish that they had followed up on that storyline at some point. They may still because they're, they they're may, mining Star Trek history now. That's true. That's, that's true. true. But I, I do. That's one that I do want to see done by Picard or something, not by Lower Decks. I don't want that turned into a joke. You know what I mean? I yeah. agree. I agree. Especially because originally the what. I, my understanding, which I've read and heard a million times, is that the Borg came out of what those creatures were supposed to be. Yeah. And because you remember when Remick, sorry, Veronica, it's not messing you up, is it? Because remember how Remick died before they blew his head, not off, but open or whatever they did to Remick before, they, before his head exploded like a cassava melon. I he have was, no memory of this. Okay. Well, 
<laughs> so wow. I'll just show her this tonight. <laughs> you should go bed. watch that episode for the first yes. time. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Again. before before they killed <laughs> yeah before they killed Remick, he was sending a signal, and the show yep. actually yep. ended with a signal, yep. and then they were going to bring back those beings later on because oh my goodness, they sent a signal, and then and all this convoluted stuff, blah blah blah, the Borg end up filling that yep. niche that they thought was going to be those creatures, and yeah. I agree with you. I want to know what happened. Yeah, they ended up bringing them back in the novels. They called them the bluegills, yeah. and there's a whole storyline in the, in the in the relaunch novels about them. But I, I actually would be okay with lower decks doing because there's a lot of funny stuff about them as well, like getting beat up by an old man who's kicking you in the face. Oh, that's <laughs> like yeah. that. you, there's, there, you could do some physical humor with that as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know, I agree with Tracy Torme about the first two seasons of mm-hmm. uh, Next Next Gen, but mm-hmm. I gotta say that episode, I was so riveted. And that end, yeah. I was like, holy smokes, where is this yes. going to go? Of course, we now know that it went nowhere. But <laughs> right. you know, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And then, that was they, a, then they let me down. <laughs> I was going to say uh, what you're saying, Alan, that was a shocker because I, I watched this in the original broadcast. And to yeah. see oh, Star yeah. Trek, when those when those phaser beams hit his chest and then they, yep. him, one goes up and it goes, like, holy yep. crap. <laughs> I know. I was like, hey, this is a new Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do stuff like that in the original series. I was watching the show as it was airing. And when uh-huh. that one would have aired, I would have been like seven years old. I didn't have a right. memory of it. Wow. So when I was a teenager. My uncle had the VHSs of the first two seasons. So I was going through and rewatching uh-huh. them. I would read the descriptions. And the description on that one was like Picard uncovers a conspiracy within Starfleet. And I was like, that sounds boring. And I skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually I came back later and watched it. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> Dude's exploding in the end. And <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. That and that one episode writing descriptions. Yeah, yeah. That one that one episode has so many kind of meme moments because when they first went to start, when they first went to Earth meme moments, when they first went to Earth, Picard turns to Troy and says, Counselor, and she goes, I can't tell. Someone is hiding something, but I can't tell who or what. And that started, that was one of the first of the oh, thanks a lot, Troy. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And and that's what I meant uh, last week when I was talking about for Picard season three, I'm really hoping that they don't like give her stupid lines like that. Right. There's something meaningful for her to do. Me too. And Um, also one last thing I'll say about that. Sorry. uh, Is when the old Apple, he kicked Worf's butt. That started the meme of Worf was supposed to be tough, but he was getting his butt kicked all the time Ever before right. he came to DS9. Because yes. that was supposed to mean this thing is dangerous. Yes. <laughs> it can kick Worf's butt. Right. But then you learn everything can kick Worf's butt <laughs> until he gets to DS9 at least. Right. Okay, so what about the Mugatu? Do you think that's a monster? Uh, well, it's a wild animal. It's an animal, yes. I, I think it counts as a monster in the, the television terms. In the television like, terms, like, I'm right. I'm sure there's a book called The Monsters of Star Trek, and I'm sure the Mugatu's in it because it's a famous Star yeah. Trek monster. But, yeah. And that, I mean, that's one that you never really, they don't find out the Mugatu's motivation or anything. Because it's an animal. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not a sentient being. Right. Right. But we do find out more motivations on Lower Decks. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> we know their motivations now, baby. Yeah. Right. Boy, do we ever. Um, the Vampire Cloud. Okay. I was thinking also about the Crystalline Entity. Yeah. I got this just written down. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Obsession, the vampire cloud, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. Yeah, the uh-huh. Cronium cloud creature. Yes, yes, that's a good one. That that fits. That fits because it was yeah. completely, and that's more traditional because it was completely irredeemable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm. That thing was, a matter of fact, before they were destroyed, it, Spock said that they scans indicated it had finally accumulated enough blood. It was going to reproduce, but it was going to reproduce like a cell. So mm. it wouldn't just been two. It would have been right. hundreds of thousands of those things. So, yeah, they had that needed killing. Yeah, that's bad news. Right. <laughs> right. So and another one that I what came to mind and, and I'm blanking on the episode, but it's um, animated series, second season where the big blobby monsters with the big trunks are holding them in cages. I have the beholder. I the beholder. Thank you. Oh. How could I not remember that title? Come that's on. Good, that's that's the most D and D title ever. Anyway, <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, they look monstrous. They, in some ways, act monstrous. At least until we understand them. Mm-hmm. And again, one of my favorite episodes of animated series. One of the best Star Trek aliens. Exactly. That's just a great alien. Just a great alien, man. Yeah, that's Absolutely. good stuff. Um, one that's ridiculously obvious, but you got to go with is the Doomsday Machine. Yes, it yeah, is that's on my list too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's monstrous in size, it's monstrous in intent, and uh, it's another one that needed killing. And control, yeah, control, control is a good one. Yeah, yeah. wow, yeah, that's absolutely. a good one. I didn't. That never way. even crossed my mind. Me either. We did a puppet show about control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we glad did. that that's the thing that jogs your memory and not the actual episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, control was pretty cool. It was, um, yeah, I mean, the, the way it was possessing people, it was kind of borkish in that sense. Kind of, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but you can kick them in the face to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and one more that's a traditional monster or monsters that had no redeeming qualities were the whatever they look like the brain cell creatures in operation annihilate yes because <laughs> they had to die yes uh, and that was yet another one that was actually spreading through solar systems killing people before they found out and in, in my my opinion one of the worst star trek plot lines ever that you just have to turn on a uh, uh keith i just want to correct you for just a second that's everyone's uh, opinion right (laughs) yeah that's that's a tough one to get past you try not to nitpick but when spock and mccoy say we have tried everything known radiation heat light but they didn't use ultraviolet radiation and then they blind spock what's that radiation that means every form of radiation (laughs) exactly every form and both spock and his doctor forgot that he had an (laughs) interview Oh, isn't that great? <laughs> well, you know, which is weird. No, we're, we're, I know we're getting slightly off topic, but if you watch, what's funny when you watch that episode, Leonard Nimoy's eyes are open when the light hits him, and then he closes them. So I'm not really sure how that second eyelid would have helped. <laughs> his his retinas were already flashed, and also a second eyelid with what they said was a million candle power from like ten feet away, brother, it ain't doing nothing for you. <laughs> Yeah. But a great episode, and actually one of the rare <laughs> Star Trek episodes. <laughs> a great episode, even though it's one that I really think is awful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's, it's great, funny. It's a great, well, funny exactly. episode. Yeah. It's, it's awesomely episode. terrible. It, it really is. Uh, as, and we, well, gosh, you can go on forever on that one. William Shatner yeah. playing his own brother with the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but a rare Star Trek show where the the, the aliens just needed killing, and again, there was no. No negotiation. Like we got to kill these things. Right. What's a cosmic scale monster? Because you're talking about a a, a space brain and the the individual cells of it are attacking you. It's like one of the almost Lovecraftian that it's one of those like big, huge (sighs) things. You know what I mean? 
Right. Can I, yeah, can absolutely. I ask a quick question on that real fast since we're talking about different Star Treks. Do y'all think if that episode had been written for the modern times, except for Picard, for TNG and so forth, would Picard and later on have been allowed to just kill these things? Would, it, would the plot have still been, we got to kill them? I mean, they'll deal with Remick, but would that have been the thing? Maybe, but I think he would have uh, like agonized over it and deliberated about it. Yeah. Maybe right. more for seven episodes. Yes. <laughs> in the yep. modern series. Yes. Yes. Right. It's for the last half of the episode in TNG. Right. <laughs> um, one quick one. We literally don't have to talk about it. But again, as Alan, when Alan said monster, I thought about two different ones, both TNG, the episode violations where that really yeah. weird uh, telepath guy kept going into people's uh, minds and, and making them relive horrible moments and they would fall into comas. That was really disturbing, very, very disturbing. And Man of the People. That's the one where that weird dude oh. bonded with women and then dumped his negative emotions on them. Oh, Troy. I would never have thought of that. Ghost. I think of him wow. as a monster. The well, ghost. His ghost. I don't know. Oh, the, the ghost. Oh, the, the, the crusher ghost. Yes. Oh, the, the, the candle ghost. Yes. <laughs> but he loved her. <laughs> uh-huh. She loved him. Sure, he did. <laughs> he was terrorizing us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It was a monster to the audience, if not to Crusher. <laughs> I actually agree. That's a good point. That's I agree with that because and, there, and there's huge debates. I, I listened to a podcast, another podcast reason about that. And there was a huge debate between the two hosts about was he quote unquote a monster or did Beverly and her grandmother and all her ancestors actually kind of sort of love him? And that's a really disturbing discussion to have. Mm, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, even if they say that they loved him, did they really? Or was it, were they manipulated to do yeah. exactly Stockholm? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And w- one last example that I can think of from uh, just like this past year or so is um, in Discovery, the the big uh, monster that um, that Sukal was, yeah. was terrorized by. Mm. It's not an actual monster, but it, it certainly fills that role. Sure. Yeah. It was also uh, kind of scary, honestly. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, great one. So yeah, that's that's us. That's our discussion about monsters <laughs> in Star Trek. So fe- people should write in and give us their ideas about what's monstrous in Star Trek. Yeah, send us all the ones we didn't mention because there's right. plenty more. There are. <laughs> yeah, like that dog from um, the Enemy Within. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show, and then when we get back, we'll be talking about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. So stay right there. Comic-Cons are back, and fans are ready. Hear all about it on The Con Guy Show, where we keep you up to date on all the events, the movies, the people, and the conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom. Straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California, we are proud members of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Okay, and that's spoilers <laughs> for Star Trek Card Season 2, Episode 7, Monsters. Monsters. Sort of tying with the, the topic we just discussed, Picard finds out some things about his own father in this one. Right. He wasn't right. quite as monstrous as he had thought. Right. 
That was so interesting to me because, and, and as I was watching this episode fold out, not to get too like, you know, deep and dark this early in the discussion, but right. the thing that I kept thinking of when he found his father and said, you know, you were horrible. You were right. you know, terrible to my mother. And I was, that's exactly what Patrick Stewart went through mm-hmm. with his father and his mother. Yeah. And I can't imagine how difficult that must have been for him. Yeah. You know, especially after that, when the, the, the actual revelation is that it's the mother, the monster is the, um, the, the mental issue right. that she's dealing with. And it paints her as the, the, the sort of, I don't want to say cause, that's not what mm-hmm. I mean to say, but, but I just thought that was so interesting. And I wonder what his reaction was the first time he read that script. What a good point. Cause I have, yeah. it's so funny. You said I've forgotten about that. And I had just listened to an interview with Patrick Stewart two weeks ago where and he's such, he is such a darling man in real mm-hmm. life. And he talked about all that stuff, Alan. He talked yeah. about the abuse he went through. He talked about, wow, I didn't, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. I had a question. One thing is, what I kind of didn't get, did Picard always know that his mother had the mental illness and he had suppressed it? Because he basically discovered something about his own past, his own mother and his own father that he never knew before. So where did that come from? He must have known yeah. it because this is all in his mind, right? Yeah. Right. I think yeah. he had to have known because he saw the his father trying to, control his wife trying to you know like handle her in a way to to remove her from a situation or to keep her safe from herself or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah i do think that he had to have known in some way right and that's what he kind of did he sort of turned that situation into this physical monster in his own mind which was his father no which was the actual monsters that are taking the yeah 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 taking the the mother away from him uh, but you would uh, think that adult Picard would have either have yeah. looked into it, you know, to just get yeah. more information about his family yeah. or just intellectualized it as, you know, the Picard that we knew on Next Generation, you know, would have recontextualized the things that he was going through as a kid. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so, and so does that, excuse me, does that, does that kind of conclude, does that mean that his father was not a bad father at all? Because, because uh, I don't know about it. They true. didn't say at all. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they made a reference to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know when the, when Picard's father appeared in Tapestry, he was pretty much a jerk. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. I also thought when James Callis was getting all cocky about not losing his hair, I was like, "Well, just wait, bud," because in Tapestry, you're pretty bald. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it could be both things are true then. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 yeah, he, I think he's getting more of an understanding of why his father was acting the way he was acting. But right. uh, even so, you're in the 24th century, even if it's the early 24th century. You should, you know, I don't know why everybody's dressed like the 19th century. and You're locking your wife in the closet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't get that either. Yeah. Well, but isn't that from the kind of stories that his mother would tell him? Isn't that just like a manifestation of his imagination? Isn't that like his connection that he has with his mother? Well, it seemed like he was sort of flashing into what was actually happening. Yeah. And his father was like wrestling his mother into the other room. And like, yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's surely there's a Federation facility that can be of assistance. Like it's not the days where you move your, your, you know, 
back when I used to say we're more hysterical and they move them out to the country and lock them in a room, you know, like I was just listening to the yellow wallpaper again the other day, you know what I mean? Like, which is what that's what it's about. It's a lady who has moved out to the country and she's being locked in this room for her own safety. And she goes mad in there. Right. Um, But it was about the plight that women were going through in the late 1800s with that sort of thing. And I, you wouldn't expect to see that in the star Trek future. You'd expect to have, you know, some specialists arrive to sure. I get that too. I didn't necessarily see that as uh, an actuality as much as I saw that as his like child's understanding. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's recontextualizing it himself into this. That's what I was, that's, yeah. what, that's what kind of what it meant to me. I don't right. know. Right. You could be I, right. I have that exact same question because I thought the same thing was in the 21st century. Why would he lock her in a room unless again, he was such a horrible person that embarrassed him. But you would think in that time they could cure something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bring, we always throw the Picards living on property where they almost have no technology, no obvious technology. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought the same thing was, I couldn't tell, was that his childhood imagining of it? Or mm-hmm. do we, or do we assume the man literally locked her in a basement, like out of a Vincent Price movie or something? I, I couldn't, <laughs> I don't know. Or the dungeon in that case. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Tell. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell. Where's Robert? That's what I was wondering. Oh, cause he's he the older a, brother. He has a brother. Yes, yeah. that's what I kept thinking. I don't know how much too. older he is. Maybe he's off at school or something, but you that's possible. It's weird to have all these flashbacks of Picard's childhood. And there's no brother who's like the 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 family member we've met, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. That's what the first uh what was it, the first uh episode where they actually went back or the first time we had the flashbacks, I guess it was mm-hmm. when in the first episode I kept thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm- are we gonna get a young Robert out of this? I will say that the entire that, that entire uh, storyline left me confused, as you said, about mm-hmm. was that real, was it not? And I asked the same thought was, where's Robert? And I'm trying to figure out why did the dad get his mom help, get her help? Right. All that's being said, it was still really powerful sure. in that yeah. I'm sure we have all known people like that, where there's a parent or somebody who's like who's super fun one minute and creative and cool. And then the next minute they're kind of dangerous mm. to themselves and others around them, which mm-hmm. I thought that was the thing with her. Cause whatever damage she did to Jean-Luc, she also seemed to have shown him love. Mm-hmm. She probably seemed to understand him as much more of a quote unquote sensitive boy than his father did, which is all, you know, we've seen it's one of the reasons Picard suppresses so many of his emotions, which we saw all through TNG. Cause he's really just, um, he's not as tough and as whatever on the outside as people thought he was. We yeah. saw that in the, in the episode when he went home after the Borg attacked and he broke down in front of his brother. So yeah. I like that giving some little bit of a, of, a, of a background to his really complex personality. It left me confused, but it was at the same time, it was really powerful. Yeah. And I can, I can buy that, you know, if they're giving an explanation for why Picard never had a family of his own, because he had a terrible childhood yeah. experiences with his yes. own family. I can buy that because everything we've sure, seen from Picard's family has been pretty negative. You know, yeah. the flashback yeah. of his dad and tapestry yes. or his, his, his relationship with his brother. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering now if they're going to retcon his parents, because it seemed like from James Callis's character's comment that you lived longer than me, but I kept my hair. It doesn't seem like he was going to grow to a ripe old age. But yet we saw that character mm. at, at, as an old age in tapestry. And the yeah. same thing for Picard's mother, who we saw um, was it where no one has gone before when they were outside the yes. galaxy. And he had a mm-hmm. vision of her as a very old lady. Was was that his mother? Yeah. I thought yeah. it was his yeah. mother. I believe that was his mother. No, he called her Momo, Momo, okay, Momo, something like that, which I thought I thought was mother. Yeah, I, I, I think the accepted story, and that they could always change that. I mean, that's not yeah. definitive, but um, so I'm because it doesn't sound, it doesn't seem like his mother's going to make it either. 
No. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wrote the same thing down, Charles. I wrote that. I thought she was older and where no, no, no one has gone before, but she looks right. like she's going to die young in this episode or in yeah. this series. Yeah. Yeah. So confusing and a little, I'm a little confusing, a little, um, some historical things that had me concerned, but at the same time, again, it was still powerful. So it, right. I just want to, I want to know more what's going on. Cause then they say there was more at the end of that session so, yeah. or there's something else. Right. Yeah. Talent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, speaking of Talon, and we can go here. What's going on? Okay. Um, <laughs> after last week, when mm-hmm. you pointed out that uh, she mumbled something, and only when you watch it with subtitles do you see yeah. that it says that it's something in Romulan. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't remember to mention, and I this is something that I intended to bring mm-hmm. up in our discussion, was mm-hmm. that she used the phrase mind meld. Mm. So she's you know, sort of portraying herself as a human who doesn't know anything about all that space stuff. But then she very specifically uses the phrase mind meld and then mumbled something in Romulan. And so hmm. this week she pulls out this like um, apparatus that she straps on her head and it's in the shape of a Romulan ear. Yeah, right. I wish they had uh, saved the reveal that she's actually Romulan for another episode, at least hmm. just to string yeah. that mystery along a little bit yeah i i I noticed that she said mind meld but i didn't really think about it because i mean they're sort of associating her with the gary seven situation and gary seven knew a vulcan when he saw one so yeah you know um because when he saw kirk and spock he said a human with a vulcan you're from the future yeah Um, so (laughs) i just i just assumed that she just knows more about what's going on on earth that's a good point i didn't think about that you're right i mean they now we know they were probably hinting that for the fact that she's a Romulan, is she? Is this Laris? Is this Laris's great grandma? I, I think I, I think it's just a Romulan. Is is Laris? Just, Laris isn't going to pull her grandmother's purse out at the end, and <laughs> so we know it all really happened, like in Carbon Creek. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome! <laughs> either yeah. that, or either that, or every Romulan in this series is, is going to be played by the same actor, just like all the Soongs <laughs> are played by the same actor, right? Yeah. So we're not thinking in any shape, form, or fashion. It's the exact same woman across the street. Oh no! Okay. Oh, I don't know. Laris? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, they it's, seem it's, to indicate that. Oh, you're an ancestor of. Yeah, I'm not ready to go on on the record with a opinion about that. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> right. Wow. If that's an ancestor, then the Sungs need to marry the Laris family, and all the kids will look like forever. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I'm sure Spiner would be up for it. <laughs> there you go. There you uh, go. That thing with her and the thing with Picard, I will say that I wrote down, and I think y'all, one of y'all mentioned earlier about seven. I will say I'm still enjoying the ride, but I don't know if I've ever been this much in the dark in the history of Star Trek for this long. Interesting. I, I'm still, yeah, yeah, I'm still not sure where this is going. I'm not saying I'm having a problem with it, but there's yeah. a whole bunch of threads. And oh, what's going on here? Well, so far, our heroes are just making the past worse. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, yes. That ending, I loved that it's ending. Great. Mm. Oh, loved it. Yeah. Did you not? I liked Uh-oh. it just fine. I mean, uh, you're I, the big I was like, why? Why? It, why? Why is that that done? Why? This episode was not long enough. She she was mad because it was short and, yes. it, and it ended on a, on a cliffhanger. Well, I was going to end on a cliffhanger. Do we think that? Um, Agent Wells, as I had to, I, what I was trying to watch the credits to, to confirm was I read online he was played by Agent Wells. But according to Memory Alpha and people on the internet, 
if you pause it on Amazon, it says Agent Wells. But um, is so that how he's credited on IMDb? He's not credited on IMDb. And no, there, there's not a cast list yet right. for that episode. So do we think that he's playing Duquesne from Relativity? Yes. Or is he just FBI guy? No, I think he's from Relativity. And then he, hmm. now he has the name Agent Wells, hmm. which makes me think they're being cutesy about him being a time traveler. <laughs> right, right, right. Interesting. Yep. I, I had not thought of that. So you so. think he may be a time traveler? I've been waiting for him to show up since they he was spotted in that first trailer for the season. So I oh I forgot about that. Yeah, he uh, he was spotted uh, in that very first Picard season two trailer. And oh my I've, gosh, I'm waiting to see if he's playing uh, the time cop from the USS yeah. Relativity or if he's just yeah. FBI guy. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Holy smokes! Because he seems pretty at ease with the idea of people appearing. Yes, he does. Well, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That didn't stick out to me that much. As much as like he's been sent this footage and he's looked at it a lot and he's come he's come to terms with the fact of he's seeing a thing happen and now he's going to find out why the thing is happening. But I thought it was really interesting. And especially now that you bring this element up, that Guinan questioned him, like, why are you the guy that's the right guy for mm-hmm. this mission? You know, that's right. so interesting. Yeah. And he was being awful cutesy about it when he was arresting someone. Yeah. If, if you're an FBI agent gen, sent to apprehend someone who appeared out of thin air, I don't think you're like, hey, are you spacey people? Do you like sci-fi? Yeah. Before, yeah. You, before you bring your FBI agents in, you know? Right. That's true. That's true. true. So, okay. The, the sign on the door, this is stupid. The sign on the door says they're open. So he walks on in. Did she not at least lock the door? <laughs> you can't fault somebody for walking in if your sign is on your door is not locked i agree <laughs> especially i mean that's just summing a cue like a genie yeah thank you that was so goofy <laughs> yeah i, I was, was like he's not gonna pop out of that, like that though <laughs> yeah. i thought of that too i was like yeah. <laughs> the star trek <laughs> wine people better get on that <laughs> i did write that that was a little over the top yeah with the whole time in the bottle as it were yeah. and then she was all freaking out and then the, the I think it can't be that hard. I mean, because really, you kind of should be able to just go Q. Q. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, I'm excuse. I'm very interested in the concept, the thing that she said that the Elorians had a Cold War with the Q. Right. How does one have a Cold War with the Q? I don't know. I mean, that doesn't mean you fight, but it does mean you respect each other's powers and abilities. Mm-hmm. What yep. could they do that could even give the cue anything approaching pause? I know she did that funky well, hand thing that people have yep. been talking about. Yeah, yeah <laughs> she, she did the whoopee. I was yeah. so happy about that. Yeah. I but, love that. But how could how can anybody have a cold war with the cue? Unless know. they have I mean that's some... the that's the thing that we've wondered about ever since was it Q? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's like when you could tell that he had some kind of like pause when she I mean, so there's something. Yeah, and he called her what? that creature. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what got me was that like, eons ago, my species and the Q continuum had a cold war, and we used this one specific bottle to create. And here it is. Here it is. I, I know that's it. so dumb. I luckily I brought it. Uh, oh yeah, my God. I, I, yeah, I wasn't dumb. understanding that because the guy in that has been introduced is just really cynical and really kind of done with stuff, and she seems like she just wants to slam down liquor. And I agree with you. It's weird. Why is she keeping that bottle? I mean, it, it, it just seemed. And why, is, that cynical? And, and, why do you have that bottle? Yeah. Yeah. You just take it all around the universe with you. That, wouldn't they I keep kinda, it on the home planet? 
I kind of felt like she was a like a different character this week than she was in the first episode she was in. Better different, you know. I, I like, liked her better in this one. I she was gynanier. Yeah, I didn't yeah. care for her much in the first one. I, I no. liked her portrayal more this time. Yeah. She felt more gynany yeah. to me. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, but I still need, I mean, I need Whoopi to get some more screen time. Yeah. I agree. I'm still not. I, I'm yeah, just not yeah. buying this, this, this gynan. I, I mean, I'm, me nothing against the actress or anything. Absolutely. I think she's great. But, and I think she looks the part. I think she looks fabulous, but I'm just not buying this. I'm just not having that connection to. You know what, though? If they have a wrap-up scene with Whoopi at the end where he goes back to the future, she yeah, had better yeah, yeah. not remember meeting Picard in 2024. If they've changed history, Thank then, you. Th- then the Picard from that timeline would not have come back in time. That's the that's that's the justification they had for him, her not remembering him from Time Zero. So if she exactly. goes to the right. future for 2024, I'm going to be... Yeah, yeah. There's going to be no consequences whatsoever. <laughs> but... We're going to go on a rant <laughs> yeah. to Veronica. <laughs> And all of our oh, listeners. Yeah. And all of our listeners. Yeah. That's right. So and do we Veronica. feel like it would have been a better idea to have seven of nine be in charge of guarding the board queen instead of Gerardi? One would think. Of course it would <laughs> have been better. Come on. Absolutely. I mean, there's board code in the ship. The board right. queens escaped and assimilated her and running amok. Like, right. What's, I on. mean, that leaving Gerardi in charge of the board queen was not the best idea. Leaving Gerardi I mean, in charge of anything was not a, the best yeah. idea. They've already proved that she's not mentally stable. Yeah, she let the board queen basically talk to her. You know, you know. Sometimes some people you just don't like shut up. You don't even want to listen to what they have to say. So I agree. Seven would have shut that stuff down really quickly. Yeah. Yep. Um, what's the whole endorphin thing they keep talking about when she busts the window out? What's she's that she's trying to raise Gerardi's endorphin levels so that uh, she can basically gain control of her faster. Mm-hmm. Well, and generate more nano and probes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So she's populating herself more rapidly through her system, basically. Yeah. So I guess she's using Girati's system to now generate nano probes. And yeah. then so she's just speeding that process up in the most dramatic way possible. Right. <laughs> By walking into some random bar and breaking a window. It's populated. Like there's plenty of things to smash. <laughs> Why go yeah. into a populated bar to do it? I don't unless she unless she assimilated all those folks. Maybe that's well that they I mean, might that's, be. Yeah, might be, they might be the sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're not assimilated. <laughs> no, clearly not. <laughs> we are not one. <laughs> I must say, I, I I overall like the episode. I'm overall liking mm-hmm. Girardi and the Queen, but that that whole endorphin nanite thing feels like they wanted to have a justification for a plot line. It's mm-hmm. like they want to me, yep. they really want to do this whole thing where you want to have the board queen sing music and have Rondo join a rock band or something like this and, <laughs> and quit wise. <laughs> so then you say, well, she has to do this because she needs endorphins to produce nanoprobes because that honestly kind of makes no sense. We've never heard about like in Voyager and stuff, nanoprobes, they like take some of Seven's blood and they make a whole bazillion nanoprobes probes and kill this 8472 it yeah. it seemed a little contrived to me but yes. it's well, not I'm, the biggest thing I'm after but see that scene came after the the genie in the bottle after the genie <laughs> in the bottle yeah. I, anything flies as far as uh, i'm yeah. concerned because I, nothing is more contrived than that yeah. except for space daisies yeah good point good i will point. never let the space yes. daisies go <laughs> i what did enjoy the rio storyline again yes. yes i did too again yes. isn't that weird yeah yeah yeah, it's, I'm loving it's it. so weird. I uh, it's so funny you said that about Rios because I was sitting there going, This is so weird. 
I'm hoping for the thing that can never really happen. I'm hoping, this is so weird. I'm thinking, I hope Rios and the doctor and her son can get together and he can somehow take her back to the future with them. Mm-hmm. Kind of well, like he's got her on the ship, so they may. Yeah, and, and I got to say, guys, my wife was watching it with me. And again, she's known Star Trek her whole life. She's not super, super deep into it, but she goes, he's violating all kinds of rules, isn't he? Exactly. <laughs> Show my ship. His her kids drawing stuff on the thing and babbling about people stuff appearing out of nowhere. Aren't they do right. you're violating all kinds of temporal prime directives. And uh, mm-hmm. but I don't mind it because I like them. It's which yeah, is so yeah. weird. Yeah, I don't. Well, and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a setup from uh, Star Trek Four. Yeah. Where, yeah. Uh, what's her name? You know, has to go to the future to take care of the the the, the whales. And you know, you can't with the stuff that she's seen and all that, you can't leave her yeah. behind anyway. So it's a good thing. She decided she needed to go to the future. Right. But So I, I feel like, and there was a, there was a quote from mm-hmm. Star Trek four also. Yeah. He, that Rios is from Chile, but yeah. he works in outer space, but he works in yes, outer space. Right? That was it. I love that. <laughs> yes. You're from outer space? No, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen if they somehow reset the timeline. Will she forget that she ever met him? Um, are they going to use nanoprobes yeah. and wipe their memories? Because um, he is a starship captain, right? They better leave the nanoprobes alone. That's causing enough trouble. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, because he's a starship captain. So even if he could take her back, could they have a future together? Because he's going to be assigned somewhere, I assume, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I just, I just really like them. It's so weird. Yeah. It's amazing. I like all of them. She can become uh, a Federation doctor, and you yeah. can be the Federation captain, and the kid can go around with them because that's what happens on starships. Well, oh God. She'll just set up an, an illegal clinic in the future, and <laughs> with Federation technology, and you know, or Rios could stay in the past. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's wow. exactly what I'm thinking. Oh, I never even thought about that. So, okay, well, I, think, I feel like that's what's going to happen. Here's my thought. Wow. Um, they're introducing six new, theoretically, main cast members next year. Mm-hmm. How are they going to have all of the next generation crew plus? I mean, I'm sure seven is going to carry over to season three. So, how are they going to have seven and uh, Issa Briones and Rios and all this other stuff and those characters too? Mm hmm. It just seems like you, you you have two crews going on, and that's just excessive. Well, so I expect Rios is going to stay in the past. Yeah, I mean, they've basically written two of the characters out this year anyway. Yeah. Issa exactly. Briones is barely in it. and Exactly. Even Amagoria is not in it. Yeah. Right. Although he, he'll get he'll come back at the end. He will come back that's at it? the end. But I mean, if they if but, uh, if they're having trouble with the seven or whatever characters they have now, right? I'm bringing back the entire next gen cast as well. You know? Exactly, exactly. So I expect <laughs> I expect our current cast to be greatly reduced for next year. Yeah, that's and I do think I do think that he's going to stick around in the past. Yeah, it's an interesting decision if he stays because if he lives long enough, that means he's committing himself to living through the next Great World War because yep. in less than forty years. The Balkans are coming, but that's only after Earth has really decimated itself with another world war. So that'd be an interesting time to hang out. Right. Or if they want to keep the actor, I mean, they could leave him in the past and then get to the future and be his identical descendant. Or (laughs) one of his holograms. (laughs) That's true, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll have his holograms on board. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody liked it this week. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. 
I, I'm saying what I've said several weeks, which is I, I'm confused and I don't know where it's kind of going. And it's kind of starting to reach, start kind of starting to reach my limit of I, I kind of want to know what's going on. It's but that point. Asked, so, it's that point yeah. that he reached in Discovery, where it's like, okay, I don't know what's going on, and now I'm tired of it. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> why I was like, this is not where you end this episode because it felt <laughs> like <laughs> it felt like it a, is. this is yeah. no, no. This, yes. it felt like a. Blackout. We're gonna go to another scene and pay attention to something else for a minute. Cliffhanger. Did yeah. not feel like an episode cliffhanger to me. No, it seems too big to be what you're talking about. It seems big enough that it's a cliffhanger, right? No, I'm I'm feeling. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it week to week, but I'm I am getting that feeling that I'm on like yeah. episode five of a great three part story. You know, like yeah. Let's let's, exactly. let's move it along. Let's get back to the future. I, you know, we well. I, I'm I'm still enjoying the story, but yeah. mm-hmm. I know you feel that way because you like the space stuff. I do like the space stuff, but also and, I, and I, I mean I've said before the show even started, I didn't want them to spend the whole season in the twenty fifth. I know the twenty second century or the twentieth. I know whatever century this is, twenty right. first. <laughs> Our century. <laughs> if I keep guessing centuries, I'll get there. <laughs> the nineteenth? Yeah, no, that's not it. <laughs> It, yeah, it, and, and, I, and I'm I'm typically somebody who like I I'm not so upset they're not in space, and I'm typically not someone who gets I don't I don't like the rush storylines, yeah. but it is feeling I agree with I hadn't thought about what, what y'all said about these shows are a little shorter, so it's almost as if you could have maybe make the episodes longer, and more substantive, and yeah. l- reduce the number of episodes. But every single week, I like the performances and the yeah. acting and the oh, characters. Yeah. They're just. I like everybody this season. Yeah. I like Rafi. I like I, yeah. I love Jerry Ryan Seven because it's always yep. cool to see her to just cut out, cut loose. So it's I like everybody, but um, it's almost like um the performances are what I'm following and not really the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, no, yeah. And I say it every week, but I think all the actors are great. I think the characters are mm-hmm. great. I like them a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can I say something that's unkind? Sure. No. <laughs> Well, only if it's not about one of us. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is something I, I've been meaning to think I want to talk about again at some point in the future is this is so weird. But the more I think about Discovery, the less I think I like Discovery, which mm-hmm. is weird. Now, how am I tying that to this? Whatever the, the alchemy is of Picard, I wish they could throw more of that over on Discovery because I like the characters in Discovery. But somehow Picard is resonating with me better and then charles mm-hmm. what you were saying about it they're not in space so it's not like i'm all about i need space battles and stuff just the characters and the writing it just works for me better than discovery did so i'm thinking man i hope they can take some of that magic and move it over to discovery because i mm-hmm. like all the actors on discovery and i like yeah. their broad strokes but i don't connect and like them as much as i am liking the picard crew which is See, weird that's interesting because when you said that mm-hmm. and I said, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I, th- wow. I feel like now I'm kind mm-hmm. of following discovery because I love the characters mm-hmm. and the storyline mm-hmm. doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, especially after the, the way they wrapped up this last season, the storyline yeah. is immaterial to me now. <laughs> I just want to see the characters and I want to yeah. see what happens to them. And I want to see more of their development and, you know, if they if they have I don't know if they have to reunite the Federation or find big monsters across the universe, it doesn't matter because it's yeah. those people. All right. Mm. Um, okay. I am very interested in seeing what's going to happen with the Borg Queen. I will say. Well, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So our question of the week this week, which has now become the question of the month or question of the <laughs> by anyway, uh, comes from our good friend Tony Bowers, who would like to know. 
Who do we think is the sexiest alien or alien race from any of Star Trek shows? Which is very different from our discussion about monsters. Right. <laughs> Maybe. We'll That's see. True. Oh, good point. Hey. Um, Have I told you about my fetish? <laughs> uh, so we, it could be an individual or a whole species. Yep, exactly. Are we, yeah. we going to not count humans? Well, I don't think they're looking for like sexy people. I think okay. he's looking for like, you know, like what what species is the mm. you know epitome of something i don't know well, of course the green orion women would yeah that's what i was gonna say i mean the orions are kind of the obvious i'm sorry have you answer. seen the green orion men <laughs> <laughs> um let's think about that I was going to say the Ferengi just to be funny, but um, but they're really not at all. Uh, you think of one that it's, it's it's like what do you what do you find attractive in people? Like obviously, there's a whole bunch of good looking races, um, right? I gotta well, say is, Vulcans. I'll, I'm this gonna, one might be our okay. I gotta but. I gotta say Vulcans. Vulcans. Okay, I actually okay. think so. I mean, um, one of the things I like about what Star Trek has done with things like T'Pol. And mm-hmm. and uh, and I forgive me, I'm blanking the name of the Vulcan um, who was um, in Discovery that we just talked about the whole love affair that's going on. Tarina. Yeah, I like one of the good things they know about a lot of Vulcans. Vulcans are very interesting. Is if they don't just make them cold, they're kind of attractive when they're like they're they're the emotions kind of shine through. Mm. It, it's it, and I and I kind of like the fact that they can be intellectual and controlled, but they're not robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I find that I find that kind of, yeah, I find that track. Somebody that's confident, but not cold. And so I, I think, I think Vulcan women. So are. Romulans basically. Well, there you go. That <laughs> yeah, are them too. <laughs> and I like the point of years and I sure hope that doesn't come off as weird. <laughs> not in the least. Not on this show. <laughs> Veronica. Um. Yeah, I mean, the first one that came to mind, like like I said, was the Orions, and then I thought Fringy just to be funny, but there's not really any, because they're all so humanoid, it's like, it's like saying humans are sexy. Well, you don't find humans sexy. (laughs) Well, I mean, they are, but it's like. Hey, I'm a human. (laughs) It's like, where is the difference? So there's not really any, like. Yes, this race is extra attractive. Okay. So, uh, yeah, hmm. none of the above. That's why I went with characteristics of, of Vulcan women, because you're right, mm-hmm. the look is not it, but it's more like the, the personalities mm-hmm. of Vulcan women. Okay. Hmm. That's a good answer, Keith. Okay. Vulcans. <laughs> um, and, and I'm going to go, on, I'm going to flip on the, I hate to get so obvious, I'm going to flip on the exact side. Um, and Dorian women, because they sing like, they come from a cold planet, but they're kind of hot natured. Uh, <laughs> wow. They, they seem it's pretty funny because I was thinking Andorians myself. Yeah, because they're, they're pretty intense. They're passionate. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also, I just love antennae. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you like your pointed ears. I like my antennae. We're right? not judging. <laughs> we are laughing, but we're not judging. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll oh, say, yeah, I can't decide between Klingons and romulans i like romulans i like the pointed ears also i like laris a lot and i like that romulans had the the first female starship commander we ever saw was the romulan commander Mm -hmm. 
I like that. You know, that yeah. they had that sort of society and Klingons. I always, I mean, I, I like Lursa and Bator. I like that the, the Klingons mm. don't take any crap. You know what I mean? Klingons aren't embarrassed about who they are. They just are mm. themselves. You know what yep. I mean? They're very sort of take charge and, you know, they, they, they're just them, you know, they don't yeah. care what you think. Totally. Yeah. You just need a doctor to hang out with a Klingon woman though. As we saw in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I need Bashir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you answer Alan? Oh, you said Andorians. No, I, no, I was just parroting oh. off what he said. Okay. No, my, my answer is species eight, four, seven, two. All those arms. There you go. <laughs> All right. Somebody, so somebody was, I'm sorry. Well, let's see. Somebody joked about the salt vampire, but if you remember in the original episode, mm-hmm. um, they talked about, she could be anything geisha, this or that, because she was yep. a shapeshifter. Is she, or right. is she just letting you see herself as something else? Because I don't uh, think she's a shapeshifter. Yeah. I think she's just hypnotizing you. I think so too. And then when, oh. Then you see those hair and teeth, and <laughs> yeah, so that means you would never record anything, and uh, no, you would always have to just say, Keep the illusion going, yeah, right. that, Okay, that's a little weird. Okay, <laughs> I thought, oh, Yeah, you're right, if it's not a shapeshifter, then no, <laughs> right? Exactly, uh, you know, it's kind of like what's her name in um, Menagerie. Mm-hmm. where you're not, she's not shapeshifting, but you're yeah. seeing her differently. Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. uh, I, so, anyway. I could have forgotten that because they all were seeing her differently at the same time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's our question of the week from Tony Bowers. Thank you so much, Tony, for sending an interesting question. If anybody else has a question that they would like to pitch to us, you can post it on our Facebook page or uh, email us right here at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing your questions and answering them on air. Where can people find more of you on the internet, Alan? Um, on the Earth Station One podcast network, I have a show called Modern Musicology. We just released our 17th episode, which was a wrap-up of this year's Grammys. And um, I don't even remember what our next episode is going to be about, but it'll be good. I'll promise <laughs> you that. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, primarily the... ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And? And monkeying around. That's right. Yay! Yay! And do you have a closing for us? No, I was just thinking of that, and I picked up the Star Trek quiz book, and I was like, I'll find something in here. Then um, I realized it's all quiz questions. And (laughs) And the quiz book? (laughs) 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 I was like, I'll have some cool. All right, ask a quiz question. Okay, okay. Just the first one you see. Kirk is almost struck by a falling boulder. It's a, is it true or false? True. In true. arena. Yep. Yes. Okay. There we go. The hey! All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's our episode, folks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. 
ESOnetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.